0: So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. That's Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. And so as you're turning to that passage... Last week was Resurrection Sunday. We got the chance to celebrate corporately that Jesus Christ is risen from the tomb and is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. That is tremendous news for the believer. Not only that, but he has given us the great commission, right, in Matthew, when it says to go out, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, coming after the resurrection. And now we're going to start a new missionary uh, series called The Missionary uh, Journey of Paul. This is his third missionary journey. And I want to preface the sermon because we're not going to be talking about Paul specifically in the sermon, but rather a man named Apollos. And we'll get a chance to talk about him throughout the sermon. But before we get into that, I want to remember, um, I want you all to remember this. Listen carefully. If you want to do something right, have something done right, do it yourself. That sound good? That check out with everybody? If you want to do something right, have it done yourself. Many of you have heard that before. Um, That's one of the famous quotes from this French military leader, Napoleon Bonaparte. And this idea isn't new to us, right? As a matter of fact, I can argue that the issue of autonomy is a recurring issue that we have experienced in this postmodern society, in this postmodern era that we live in. It's this autonomy that says that I can do this life on my own. It's this autonomy that says that I can do things my way, right? It's autonomy that says that I can follow my own truth. And a lot of us are familiar with that. And we wrestle, if we're going to be honest, we wrestle with this autonomy. Autonomy says you don't need anyone else to do your thing, right? And it feels much easier to do things yourself. And there's so many mantras and slogans out there to pursue us, you know, to pursue us and persuade us to follow our own autonomy. But when we look at the gospel, it calls us to a radically different approach to life. If you swing the pendulum to the opposite of autonomy, you might feel like you're completely inadequate. But let's stay there for a moment. As believers, right, we are still called to share the gospel but in doing so, can we simply rely on our own knowledge? Can we simply rely on our own knowledge? I have to be honest, preaching is not, not easy. Um, I feel the weight of it every time I preach. Um, I get nervous, I often feel inadequate. Um, but I'm not the only one that feels this way. Your favorite preacher probably feels inadequate at some point when they preach. And that's not an unfamiliar feeling. So that's when the pendulum swings from complete autonomy to, you know, feeling that you can't do this on your own. That's probably a good thing. So to answer the question, can you simply rely on your own knowledge when you spread the gospel and share the gospel? Of course, the answer is no. No. But in this passage, we'll read that Apollos grew in his understanding of who Jesus is through three things, acknowledging that he was limited to embracing community, embracing Christian community, and three, understanding scripture. And so as we read, um, if you all have found the passage, I'll invite you to stand as we read Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in prayer, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the uh, disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Maybe may be seated. Let's, let's pray. Dear Father, um, thank you so much for your word. And as we look and study about what you would have us gain and know from this moment in this life from Apollos, uh, be with us. Um, we can't do anything without you. Uh, make your verse, verses clear, make your voice heard, and um, yeah, let your kingdom come. Let your name be glorified in this next uh, half hour. Um, We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, we are in chapter 18, and allow me to preface and give a bit more context to chapter 18 to uh, provide a clear understanding of why we're talking about Apollos instead of Paul specifically. Right In chapter 18, we see that Paul is in Corinth, and he's doing many things. He's evangelizing, he's working, he's befriending people right? He's tent making. He's moving from city to city. And in this journey, we come across someone like Apollos. So what does the scripture say about Apollos? Well, first it says that he is from Alexandria in Egypt. And that's pretty important to note because this place back in that first century, this place is filled with scholars and intellectuals who were learned, learned people and who knew the Old Testament scriptures very well. So it makes sense that Apollo sort of resembles this type of culture. We also know in the scripture that Apollos is uh, described as an eloquent man, right? A very competent man. Um, and also, he is competent in the scriptures, And so, you know, knowing about this uh, guy, Apollos, it starts to make a bit more sense as to why he is in the scripture, right? So he's smart, he knows the Old Testament, and that's great. But what else? Well, verse 25 says, And he had been instructed in the ways of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. So we're going to stay here for just a moment, right? So it seems like his preaching and teaching has hit sort of a roadblock, stopping point, and that's at the baptism of John. So what could this mean? Well, for starters, it means that he was limited in what he knew about the person of Jesus. Some commentators say that it's not very clear exactly what he knew and what he didn't know, but there is limitation to what he was preaching, Basically, his preaching most likely consisted of telling people about this Messiah that was to come, that was coming. But if that's true, then he's basically preaching and teaching about this Jesus that is coming. But in actuality, he had already came and rose up. And so, Apollos clearly knew about Jesus, but... He was limited in telling Jesus' story. He was limited in telling Jesus' story. This reminds me of one of my good friends, Caroline, who used to babysit when she was in high school. I think her freshman year of high school. And she used to babysit a little little girl named Sophie. Sophie was an imaginative and impressionable young four-year-old. And every night that Caroline would babysit Sophie, she would go through her, you know, evening routine. And when it came time to put her to bed, Sophie had to have a bedtime story read to her, right? And so Caroline, she grabbed Little Red Riding Hood off the shelf and started to read it to darling little Sophie, right? And as she's reading it, she comes to the part to where the wolf ran to the grandmother's house. Are you some of you familiar with this story, Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah? See some head nods and whatnot. So Caroline gets to this part and she reads, poor granny did not have time to say another word before the wolf gobbled her up. And little Sophie, she clenched her covers wide-eyed and she was worried knowing, what's gonna happen next? And it was in that moment that Caroline realized that the rest of the pages of the story were ripped out, and so in panic and not knowing the end of the story, Caroline is like, "The end." She closes the book, puts it away, turns out the light, and says, "Good night, Sophie." <laughs> I don't. Know. Yeah, that's that's my friend. Yeah, um, was that the ending? Of course not. There's obviously more to the story of Little Red Riding Hood. And we look at scripture, there's way more when we want to tell the story of Jesus. Apollos was leaving out the best part of Jesus' story. But similar to Apollos, we too have limited knowledge of who Jesus is. But some of us, if you're like me, we grew up in church, and so we can talk about Jesus performing miracles, Jesus and the uh, 12 disciples, Jesus being the Son of God, and we can talk about Jesus right? And we feel like that's enough. Some of us might be content with what we know about Jesus, feeling like, you know, we're fine, right? But here's what's missing. It's recognizing that he is the one and only Messiah, right? So the truth is that Jesus wants us to be completely and utterly dependent on him. And our limited knowledge about ourselves and Jesus it's imperative to trust him rather than relying on our own knowledge or skills of who Jesus is. Even when we get to know Jesus in relationship with him, we are still left with so much more that we can't even fathom in our finite being. I like how Romans 11, and 34 uh, speaks of God. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Thinking about that scripture, right, we can rest assured that we as finite creatures are serving an infinite God and we can be thankful for that. And so we're discovering that we cannot rely on our own knowledge since we're finite beings We also discover that in order to grow in our understanding of Jesus, we need to embrace his community, embrace Christian community. And for Apollos, that means that he learned from other believers more accurately about the ways of God. And this introduces uh, two people, Priscilla and Aquila, um, in this passage just to give you a bit more context for those of you who are not familiar with Priscilla and Aquila, uh, they are husband and wife, Priscilla and Aquila. And they were tent makers, and that's how they met and got connected to Paul. So they um, know Scripture very well. And they also heard Apollo's teaching. Now, I told you earlier that he was limited in his knowledge about the person of Jesus. And so when Priscilla and Aquila heard about Apollos and heard his teaching, after his teaching, I assume in my mind, I imagine that they took him aside and said, that was, I love how you talk about Jesus. I really do. Love how you talk about him. But I just want to mention that Jesus, he died, but he, he rose again. He's, he's been resurrected. He rose up. And I imagine Apollos hearing that and going, oh, oh rip, okay. Well, this changes, changes everything. Um, and I really like how they approached Apollos. They didn't embarrass him. They didn't go, boo, get off the stage. They didn't discourage him. This is a great example to me of what community looks like and how it operates, right? And so I imagine, again, when Priscilla and Aquila see someone who is preaching and talking about Jesus, I bet in their mind they're thinking that's a brother or sister in Christ. Just like when Paul um, met Priscilla and Aquila, they became part of the same community. You see in the scripture, that's what they're doing for Apollos as well. So not only is Apollos in need of community, and we see that through Priscilla and Aquila, we also see that in his journey to the next city, Achaia. Right? We see in verse 27, when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. And so Apollos not only had support from Priscilla and Aquila, he also had support from the disciples. They welcomed him, right? And what a better feeling and confirmation to know that you're part of community by than by feeling welcomed, feeling like you belong, feeling like you're valued and supported in that community. And Apollos needed that support in his ministry. And once he got to Achaia, he was able to help others too. Why? Because we are made for Christian community. So in this book, in his book called *William uh, Wisdom Pyramid, Brett McCracken writes this, Church c- community may be challenging, but it's the sort of challenging that we need to grow. It's a community where we encourage and stir one another up in love and good works, a community of spirit-enabled transformation where gifts are given to individual members for the building up of the collective body. So, surround yourself with others who are wise. Give yourself to community, even if it's uncomfortable. Almost every community will help you become wiser than you would be alone. But a church community, a group committed to pursuing holiness collectively and more interested in glorifying God than in celebrating the authentic self, can offer particularly valuable nutrition for a health wisdom diet. So the truth is that God also, he calls us to rely on one another. Yes, we are in utter dependence on Christ, but we are made to rely on one another as well. And as Christians, our deepest community should be the church. Uh, some, might, some people might call the church, you know, the family, the body of Christ, but now, no matter how you slice it, we are not made to do this life ourselves we are not made to do life on our own but some of you might be listening to me and you might be thinking well that's that's easier said than done I mean I this Christian community that you're talking about it's not for me I don't fit in I'm way too messy Honestly, if you have thought about that or if you feel that way now, then you're in the right place because I'm messy too. We all are messy because of what sin has done to our hearts, right? Some of us might be thinking, well, I don't need, I don't need community. I can do this by myself, right? Right? I can do this light thing by myself. I want you to listen to a quote from the same author. It says, We all can't be experts in everything. God gifts people differently for a reason. The biblical vision of a healthy church, for example, is not one where everyone contributes in the same way, but where variously gifted parts contribute to a healthier whole. That's a great quote. So he calls us to relationship not only with him, but with each other. Proverbs 27:17 says, just as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we see that very clearly in this passage when Priscilla and Aquila came alongside Apollos to help him understand more of who Jesus is. He needed that, just as we need each other. So finally, growing in knowing who Jesus is requires us to understand the scriptures. So this passage clearly states that Apollos was very familiar with the scripture, but he only had the Old Testament, right? Well, some of you might be thinking, well, so did Jesus, but a big one big difference is that Jesus knew that uh, all of scripture pointed to himself. And it took some time for Apollos to understand that the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. But when he realized that, verse 28 says that he powerfully refuted the Jews in public by showing the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. And this is huge because thinking about the first century Jew, there was a lot of hang-ups, a lot of reservations about this Messiah, right? Um, There was a lot of... uh, reasons to not buy into um, this Messiah. And so a lot of Jews in the first century were skeptical of this Messiah that Apollos was speaking of. And what's interesting to me is that it seems like when Apollos uh, was not preaching as accurately as he could have, he had people take him aside and correct him privately. However, when he was refuting um, the Jews, he did that publicly and so some of us might look at that scripture or that verse and might feel like we have license to refute anyone who is giving us seemingly misinformation or false doctrine. Um, but I want to encourage you guys to be, to be careful not get riled up um, when you hear false doctrine or uh, misinformation. Um, it's so easy to get riled up in an attempt to win an argument um, or make someone else feel small. Um. This passage is not, the entire Bible shouldn't be used to weaponize um, your your case and to make someone feel small. What's happening here is that Apollos, he is defending the faith. Author Michael Green uh, retold a story of a young, intelligent uh, Jewish graduate who was not, well, a Christian quite yet, but intrigued by our fellow Christians because to her, it seemed like her Christian friends had got something, right? And so one day when she was at a party with, with Michael, um, he said this. He said that he showed her uh, from the Old Testament scriptures that uh, how closely Jesus had fulfilled the varied hopes of the prophets. And she believed and was baptized, Her father, a rabbi, was persuaded to come to the baptism, but in irreconcilable opposition thereafter, so he refused. Later on, my friend decided to study Greek and Hebrew with the intention of working full time among Jews. And this is what she says. She says, it is blatantly clear, so blatantly clear that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and rose from the grave I just long to get it across to others, especially to my own. I just long to get it across to others, and I am longing to work with them and show them their Messiah. So this is what happens, what's happening to her. Just like Apollos, we, we need not only to understand scripture for ourselves, but to declare what the scriptures say. And remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon, right? In this postmodern era, truth seems to be relative, right? So that means that there are so many ways that we can be persuaded to live our own life. Let me fix this real quick. This is why knowing scripture is important and understanding scripture doesn't make us good Christians. It doesn't make our life perfect. It doesn't give us a stress-free life, but it does make us realize where our hope comes from. And understanding scripture is not a passive experience, right? It requires us to look into God's word, to read it, to meditate on it, and be confident in Jesus Christ. It requires us to know for ourselves I like how Colossians 3 verse 16 puts it. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When we seek to know Jesus more and share the gospel with others, it's not simply enough to rely on our own knowledge We need to be reminded of the best part of Jesus' story, that Christ died and rose again to take on our sin and give us his righteousness so that we can be part of his community. We are made as finite creatures so that we can continue to be utterly dependent on Jesus to save us. And as believers, he lives in us and we have his word to remind us of where we put our hope in. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the word of God points us to the redeeming power of Jesus. And he is the one and only Messiah that can save us from our sins. So let's go to God and ask that he continue to open our hearts and minds to this truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us your word and giving us insight through the life of Apollos. When we look at Apollos, we too are reminded that we are finite creatures. Uh, We can't do everything, um, and we are constantly persuaded to do just that, to do life alone, to take care of everything ourselves, to be our own masters. But when we look at the gospel, it does not call us to that. It calls us to you. It calls us to be completely and utterly dependent on the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's so comforting, because we can take the weight of the world off of our shoulders, put on the righteousness that Jesus has given us, and have the sin and punishment of sin taken away from us. Thank you so much for having Jesus being able to do that for us. And so as we go and continue to be part of Christian community and church community and be reminded that we need Jesus, um, be with us as we continue to. Uh, grow in your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.